actions. Now we are curious about all the aspects which are in focus, the aim, the priorities, the data and tech, and of course the talent. This is being moderated by Jacques Ludic. Jacques, you are one of the first PhDs in AI on the African continent and the founder of the first AI company on the African continent that has been sold to GE, a multinational company. You are an award-winning AI leader with over 25 years experience in AI and data science and its applications. You founded multiple AI companies and are a real AI ecosystem builder and a Swiss cognitive ambassador. Your purpose is not to help just to shape a better future in the smart technology area, but also specifically to help business and society thrive and to help transform Africa. Last and certainly not least, you are an author and currently finishing a book on transformative human-centric AI and I'm looking very much forward to invite you, Jacques, to present your book as soon as you are ready. With Jacques on the panel, we do have also John Tamara. Your love for AI has led you to work for some of the top companies in the world as well as your drive into entrepreneurship. As a fan of the world, you started the AI Centers of Excellence in Nairobi, with a goal to develop 6,000 AI engineers across six African countries over the next four years. You're also passionate about deep tech research and have launched the first research lab in Kenya as a playground for young smart minds to find solutions to problems, build world-class IPs that can be also be used for social good, for the freedom of mind, to do what they love. Sharing your experience and guiding the next generation for young entrepreneurs is what you live for. And you truly believe that AI can open many opportunities that lie in Africa. With us. Oh. Sorry, just lost my mic. Additionally, we do have Amitabh Singh. You are CTO in EMEA at Palo Alto Networks for Advanced AI and Machine Learning, Based Security and Analytics for Enterprises. You work for companies like Credit Suisse, JVs, IBM, HSBC, and GE. You're also the Regional Ambassador for Switzerland for the BEF and Richard Branson promoted by Global Business Blockchain Council. You're an engineer with vast experience in technology and consulting. You live in Zurich, actually next to us, have two daughters. The older one plays tennis in the national level of Switzerland, and the younger one is the co-founder of the nonprofit Girls Can Code, whom we had the pleasure in the past to have on stage with us too. Amitabh, you are a crypto and blockchain enthusiast and a guest lecturer of the security at various universities in Switzerland. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Karen Silverman. You founded an expert-based consulting group to advise leaders in business and governments on how to better governance and oversight of the AI and other frontier technologies that they are bridging into their operations. You're also a lawyer by training 
now focused on the broader set of strategic and risk issues associated with these breathtaking technologies. Alison Lonis, you are NVIDIA's first female solution architect in Europe since 2015, now responsible for developer relations across EMEA region. You consult on a wide range of AI applications, including planetary defense and space exploration with NASA, ESA, and the United Nations, working closely with the community of AI researchers around the world. Jacques, the stage is yours with your panelists. I'm not mistaken. Okay, can I go ahead? Okay. Fantastic. Um, it seems like we, one of the five things is going to be technology and it seems like we do have issues there. So I'm going to quickly admit see there's a few people joining. Do we have our full panel? I think we're just waiting for John. And uh, but I'll, I'll just quickly start away. So thank you, Dallas, for that uh, introduction. Uh, it's indeed a, a privilege to have this, uh, the team here and looking forward to our panel discussion where we will be talking about AI Center of Excellence. We're actually going to cover a little bit of the details, um, aim, priorities, data and technology and talent. And maybe just to kickstart this, um, um, I've been also quite involved in helping businesses to, to do AI-driven digital, AI digital transformation as well. And, and we were talking about the catalyst to generate that business value. And there's actually the five elements of successful transformation and we're going to talk about this from various interesting perspectives um, but it really starts with the intent strategy use cases the business value around that but then also the data the technology the processes and the people and today we're going to dig into these five pillars but we're also going to relate to practical aspects and we're going to color it in from different perspectives so i would like to start with uh, karen um, so, in terms of what you guys are doing, in, in terms of your business and so forth, I think you've got a very interesting perspective, specifically around governance and policies and so forth. Uh, would you like to elaborate a little bit about that? Sure, and and thank you for for setting us up so well. I, I couldn't agree more. There there are at least five I have five pillars, and I and I think as you map that out, it it sounds very familiar. Um, one of the things that that as we've been doing our work has become very clear is that um, before you get anywhere, it's about accountability and resourcing this governance work that, that, that the best policies in the world really aren't going to do much good if they're not um, operationalized. And so a lot of our work is focused on how to bridge that gap between sort of the, the theoretical and the aspirational and then what a business needs to do and how its leadership needs to think about um, what it's doing, the impact of what it's doing, and and how to um, how to manage that really in more more affirmative ways. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it starts. I you deal with executives uh, on that level, and starts from the top in terms of setting the scene in terms of how to to to, to do this in a proper way. Um, so I would love, uh, Alison, just your perspective uh, on on this as well. I know uh, from the video's point of view, you're looking at this also holistically. Well, there's obviously the compute side of things, the technology side of things, but um, you're obviously also looking at uh, the, the people side, the training side, and, and those kind of things 
as well. So you just want to elaborate a little bit from your perspective as well, just on a high level? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we work bottom up as well as top down and top down being uh, an initiative called AI Nations. So that's government level down. But really, first of all, you have to build a, um, a platform. So that's the software and the hardware to actually enable anybody. Um, yep. democratizing it is a huge passion of mine. Um, and that's, you know, so the African nations, um, for example, that's a you know huge continent that has yet um, to. Sorry, I just had a voice in my ear that put me off then. Um, we, we have to spend more time on making this global. Um, so initially, uh, you have to have the compute. You have to have the, the most efficient hardware, so preferably something with um, a green power source. So it's great if you, you know, if you, we are the um, a, a configuration of something that we call superpods is the world's most efficient form of compute now. But if you're running that, um, you know, with thousands and thousands of, um, of, you know, kilowatt hours of um, electric that comes from, you know, black, um, you know, coal-powered uh, coal um, stations, then you're not really benefiting humanity. So a green power source is great. And the, the EU is actually really leading that because they're providing so many um, green power sources for, for compute. And then um, we work directly with um, all of the governing bodies in, in putting forward, um, for example, the, the EU's um, compute um, and what I mean by that is supercomputer scale but then you've got to have the researchers that are bringing forth the actual state of the art the, and then video yeah. works at the bleeding edge you know it's called bleeding edge because it's painful you know yeah. it's 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 only just working you know we have a lot of beta testers um, in our um, developer platform um, so trying out the new stuff but what I mean by state of the art is things like doing all testing and qualification and verification in virtual environments. We were brought up on gaming and you have to gamify things like self-driving cars because, you know, we, number one, we can't come up with all the corner cases that could happen when a self-driving car hits, hits the roads. But number two, it costs nothing once yeah. you've, you've got developers that know what they're doing and, and can, can work in a virtual environment. Um, and of course, you can test and test and test and then add to real world. So this is what I mean by state of the art, but it's developing that. However, you need an equal and diverse developer network and, and you know, ultimately for, for end users. Otherwise, you're just going to get it wrong. It's as simple as that. Innovation will fail if you don't, you know, have it, have it developed for, for an equal and, and diverse end, you know, user base. Yeah. Alison, thanks for that. Um, Amitabh, you, you coming from uh, cybersecurity, we know all cybersecurity is hugely important. We know the role that AI is also playing there on the defense and attack side, red and blue teams, all sorts of different things. I know you also have a, a division that you mentioned called Cortex, similar to my company, Cortex Logic, uh, as well. Can you quickly elaborate just quickly how you guys look at um, at AI as a center of excellence, and how do you build this kind of capacity from a from from your perspective? Uh, thanks, Axe. Actually, in a structured fashion, it's no different from what Alison was talking about in Nvidia, um, because while we do focus on advanced threat hunting uh, for clients. Try and create as we, we create a platform which is which is built around defining what kind of threats are there in the market through our through our uh, platform we are able to then 
articulate that to our clients. Uh, we actively search that, and it's AI which is actually helping us to define that. So, so clearly, what's, what Alison said is, is true in our case as well, that we have uh, a platform that's been there, which actually helps us using uh, advanced AI and ML to define what's happening in the market, how do you actually do it in a much faster fashion, advanced uh, through find out what kind of um, new malware that are been coming up in the market on every every second day. But the usage part of it has to be something that has to be there with with the with the end users and with the companies who we actively work with. In a way, if you actually ask me, I'd like to say that it's it's no different from when you and I drink coffee, you know? So for yeah. us, when we drink coffee, we don't have to gather the beans ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We do need to know that someone who gathers the beans creates the right kind of platform, creates the kind of coffee machine. But it's up to you and me whether we want cappuccino or espresso, and that actually is what, how it should be. Absolutely. It's, it's, we live in the API economy. It's plug and play. It's like legal blocks on so many different levels. Um, and and uh, it's about how to put it all the pieces together. And it's it's not only purely technology. It's it's obviously people, processes, all the different uh, parts that we talked about. Um, so John, love to get you. I'm glad you were able to join. <laughs> um, so I know you from the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, fellow director there as well. And we are trying to to build uh, AI communities and AI centers of excellence here in Africa as well. And I recently participated in. Uh, the setup of the ACE, which is the AI Center of Excellence in Nairobi, with you. And uh, if you want to quickly elaborate, just quickly your perspective. So this is like different. This is actually building the, capa the capacity capability right there here in Africa. So just a little bit uh, on that. Oh, mute. You're on mute, John. Yeah, unmute yourself. There we go. Yes. Thanks, John. Yeah. Sorry yes. about that. Um, as I was saying, I think from my perspective, one of the important things is um, around how you build the knowledge base. And for me, I found the biggest problem that we currently face here is the knowledge base and that knowledge base that you then use to understand how to unlock the value of AI. Obviously, uh, you know, there is the whole conversation around the tools and the techniques and the solutions you can build, but if you don't have the knowledge base, then all that is just really an empty shell. So what we're trying to do here is build a knowledge base of how do you develop AI engineers with proof of work, you know, not theoretical AI engineers, you know, junior AI engineers I can participate by saying, I have actually built something, you know, I have developed something that makes sense. Even in the very, very basic minute microeconomies of different types of, you know, platforms, because we understand, you know, uh, technology is a huge part of the African market right now in terms of solving problems. So the AI Center of Excellence, you know, as we know from the days when we started MIA, was the fact that, you know, we want to develop the capacity we need, first of all, then we can participate in the process of innovation and also building solutions and tools that suit our own needs. And part of that is also because we have the opportunity of developing the capacity ourselves, then we can put a lot of ethical nature of AI ethics and teach a lot of these young people around how you actually use data. So, you know, that is one of the key things in what we're trying to do in training a thousand AI engineers over the next three years. 
And at the same time also, how do we unlock the value of the economy of, you know, the companies, the executives, the CEOs, the folks who have the money? Because again, if you train all these people and there's nowhere for them to go, everybody's afraid of the value of AI, then again, you're facing the same problem and we're exporting talent back to Europe and America. So how do we retain that talent and create the opportunity here? So which is why we're now bringing AI literacy at the highest level from you know the perspective of the revenue um, owners. Absolutely, John. And uh, I'm quite sure, I think I know what you're going to say right towards the end when we say, what is this one thing we should be doing? Um, uh, uh, Karen, just quickly, um, uh, just do you think it's too soon for AI governance? Oh, not at all, not at <laughs> all. Um, and and in part because it it, it and, and one of the big lens shifts that I think is really important is shifting from a compliance mindset to a strategy mindset. Yeah. So so governance is is in this category anyway more about strategy probably than even compliance but even when you're talking about compliance it's not too soon right because there are rules and and um and schemes that already apply to to govern this there are um there are um, consumer and and employee trust issues that yeah. that are already in the marketplace and and for a lot of startups that um depend on the ability um to to capture and develop insights around their employees and their customers um, and their markets in general um, need to build and, and protect that trust. Um, and, and practically speaking, um, we sort of already are beginning to understand what responsible use looks like. So while we don't know what the regulations are all going to say in specific, I think there's general consensus developing around what the aspirations are. Um, and, and those, to your point, have a lot to do with robustness and you know human-centeredness, yeah. variously defined. Um, some amount of, of transparency and interpretability. Um, but what that means in any particular case is going to be very different, right? So, so it's very easy to sort of state these principles. Um, I think it's very much harder to figure out what those principles mean in connection with any particular use case. And I guess that's the other thing I would emphasize is that we really need to be thinking about this at a use case level oh, and, yes. and less at a technology level because technologies are terrific or they're horrific depending on who, how they're being used. Um, but, but thinking really very hard about the use cases, this isn't about um, impeding them or preventing them. It's about actually enabling them in a much more sustainable way over time. And, and when you think about it as, as that strategic function, um, it, it's possibly a little late, not too soon. I, I agree. I, I, hold, I can just testify from my own experience. And I've been in um, AI, after I did my PhD in AI machine learning in the 90s, I went into business and, and so many, um, starting my own first AI company and, and, and it was like the wild west. If I compare that time, the 2000s, and even the early 2010s to where we are right now, it's amazing. Um, we're building now AI-driven platform businesses in, in health and in, in mental health and, and health wellness, financial wellness, and all of these kind of things. And we deal with this type of data, financial data, and deal with um, health data. Um, you've got to be so careful around this. This is GDPR. You've got all the, the various data privacy and data governance laws. So you can clearly see it's a different ballgame. 
Um, so I agree with you. We, we feel it right now, and it's quite different to what it was five years, ten years ago. Um, and it's absolutely needed. And we need to be responsible. I think we need to be as AI developers, implementers, consultants, whatever role we fulfill, um, to be responsible in the way we act um, around this as well. So absolutely agree. Um, the, the other point you made is around use cases. For me, is it absolutely always starts right there. Is what do you want to do with the technology? What it'll, and there's so many opportunities to create new business initiatives and business models and use the data in appropriate ways to create value, unlock value for the customers, for the stakeholders, and so forth. So, Alison, I want to quickly go to you. Um, so, I think NVIDIA sits in a very interesting spot. You talked about self-driving cars and, ah, sorry, you talked about, yeah, so many things there in terms of where NVIDIA technology will play a huge role. Um, and, and obviously, it's on the technology side, it's huge. Um, you've got an interesting initiative with NVIDIA AI Nations, where you also help governmental levels and you're doing, you also help with startups. You, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Oh, you're on mute. There we go. There's, there's always one. There has to always be one in, in, in every Zoom call. Oops. Um, it was me. Yeah, no, there's actually a number of different initiatives, um, but I strongly believe you have to have a healthy mix of both academia and industry. The only re reason we have this explosion in AI right now, you know, which something which started in the 50s is because industry, big industry players started bringing the, the dollars um, in. Um, but what I mean by that is that you have the pure research with where the innovation comes in, you know, the, the real creativity, the out of the box stuff, but also the engineering to put it together. But ultimately, that's a complete waste of time if it doesn't actually make a usable, sellable product. Um, and this is this is where we are now. We, we have both parts of that. So we have initiatives that um, educate from the government down, but also um, educate from the developer up. Um, and what I mean by that is, is from, um, I'd, I'd love it to be high school and above, but at the moment it's just university and above. Um, so we have classes that are run online. So you can, anybody can just um, run code on our GPUs in the cloud um, for free. We can train university students um, to be so-called ambassadors that can then train anybody else in their university for free. Industry has to pay for, for the privilege um, and why not? Um, but basically, that's really important because unless you are a computer scientist, you have no real idea what we mean by AI. And that includes things like the, the transparency, you know, and getting back to the actual governance of it. You know, when GDPR came in, that was a, a, a really great document. Um, and, yeah. you know, I'm going to annoy a lot of people here, but it was pretty fluffy for the yeah. simple fact that, that um, diplomats, bureaucrats, you know, and politicians are not computer scientists. So... They had to put together, they had to meld their knowledge with, with what we're doing and, and come up with some kind of framework, you know, sketchy um, at whatever level it was, but somewhere to start us off. And it was a great place to actually start off because we're learning as society is learning. You, you can't forget that we're trying to um, artificially produce ourselves. And, you know, we haven't even got it right yet. You know, with with you know societal problems. You know, people say AI can kill, so can humans. You know, so we're all learning. Absolutely, we're, we're all learning. And and this um, 
transparency comes in at the same time as let's say you know politics does and so it's um it's a very very fast evolving field though um, and that's crucial so the ai nation side is to help governments catch up with with the industry and the pure researcher um who is you know very much at the state of the art which literally changes weekly it's it's very profound i've never seen this kind of progress now it's amazing. We we sit on these exponential curves on multiple levels, and it's fascinating to to. We live in a smart technology era. Um, I, I've just I'm almost done with. I'm going to publish a book on um, democratizing AI to benefit everyone, and I'm actually talking about. It's actually about sense making. It's it's about this learning in the smart technology era, and he's talking about all these kind of topics. Um, and we need to. Um, and John talked about knowledge as well, but I think that knowledge is not just a technical. It's 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 really we need visionary leadership and wisdom and applying it in proper ways as well. So I think we need to have a proper massive transformative purpose and, and, and really understand what is the proper goals. How, how do we want to execute on this in a trustworthy, ethical, proper way that would benefit as many people as possible, not just a few. So and there's so many things at play. So I'll, I'm talking about that in the book, but Amagoth, I'm um, I'm a top, I mean, (laughs) I just want to quickly, from your perspective, do you have any specific practical use cases that you can relate, AI-driven cybersecurity that you maybe want to talk about? Uh, Yes, actually, I can can give an example, which is something that that I found really interesting that I came around this. Uh, One of the best things that that I've actually found out uh, that has worked was, and I'll give an example of how it happened. You know, in Silicon Valley, most companies have their own cafeterias and they're quite a lavish affair. So we know that Google has an amazing cafeteria. You just go in, you can get whatever you want and you eat and then you move out. There's another Silicon Valley which did not have their cafeteria. It's called Stripe. It's a payments company. And it's it's not that they, they were not able to afford that because they are now uh, a megacorn because they are valued at over $100 billion. They're gonna, about to go public. But the idea for that was that they want to understand how micropayments are actually made. So they weren't interested in coffee, but they were interested in how exactly the process of getting a coffee across for a micropayment is made smoother for a user interface. And they started to practice it on themselves. And and I think that's where most companies would have to start realizing that certain things you might want to do it because you need to understand what works for you. And certain things you need to outsource because it may not be core for you. And that may be different for you based on what your experience is. And and I think AI, that way for a lot of companies would become an extremely important use case to understand how do you structure that out? What parts of AI you need to outsource and what parts you need to insource within your own environment to manage it. And it's true for security as well. There were times when we were thinking that we could create this entire knowledge base inside the company, but we have started to realize that the amount of information that's out there and skills required cannot be just managed by one corporation alone. And that's where I think AI is going to be fundamentally important for us. But having said that, I completely understand from a governance perspective too, that <laughs> there are challenges. And, and, and in security, it's even much more than that. Uh, we are talking about offensive weapons that can be developed using AI. So I think the ethical standards uh, and the ethical discussions would start coming into play in cybersecurity domain if they're not already being talked about right now. <laughs> okay, fantastic. They, they are. Okay, so we're just gonna quickly give everyone a few seconds to, to just say what is that core idea 
I just want to quickly say, uh, Amitabh, um, we live in a, we need to be super agile. So sometimes you need a partner, you need to, um, to move fast and you need to partner, I think, especially if you don't have the capacity internally. John, you want to fire away? What is your key, key thing that you want to talk about? Um, you can also reference AFIA record if you just want to say something about that as well. Go for it. I mean, I think the quick thing is, you know, first of all, knowledge acquisition, training knowledge, developing knowledge in the ecosystem, looking at GDPR strategy and compliance as a mesh network, because I think all the way that it's been put together now, you know, like you said, it was put together by people who didn't really understand what we're talking about most of the time. And finally, how do you use data then, which is a huge part of AI to solve problem, which is what we're doing with Afia Record in the health space to develop a healthcare platform, an EHR platform that uses then AI from the data collected to actually solve problems and provide precision healthcare in a small village in Africa. That is an application. When you're taking the basic software, you're making it smart, collecting the data, and you're saying in this village, you don't have doctors, but this platform can actually help the nurses create precision healthcare. Fantastic. Karen? Um, really, it goes back to that strategy point and to understand that this is as much about the people and and the data as it is about the technology and the effective AI implementations figure out in context how to bring those things together really well and we can do this. We know how to do that part of it and and so it, it's this is possible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Alison? <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time with applications of artificial intelligence in space and um, providing this technology for all is really, really important when we start connecting AI with, with satellites and the um, terabytes and terabytes of data and bringing that down to the mobile phone user because in my spare time I also work with um, people who are far less fortunate than the Silicon Valley folks, um, Kenyan Maasai for example. Um, they, you know, they're pastoralists, but they equally have mobile phones and they can they can easily go to a cyber cafe, you know, an Internet cafe. Um, but bringing the technology to everybody and that includes from space, from orbit, the satellite data for Earth observation, you know, for disaster response is really, really important. So that's providing software to everybody and enabling schools and universities and having that healthy mix of industry and academia um, to broach those ethical problems. Fantastic. Um, uh, Amitabh, you take uh, us. <laughs> AI is extremely important, you know that, but I think beyond, once you've created those use cases around AI, make sure you invest substantial amount as well in terms of secure security around that. That's clearly important for that. And of course, when you're doing that, uh, don't forget the compliance and governance aspects of it. Absolutely. Thank you very much uh, for your, all your contributions here. It was excellent. Um, I would love to see just a personal vision is that we democratize AI to benefit as many people as possible. Um, so you can read more about that in the book as well. But thank you very much for your participation. Really appreciate it. And over to you, Della. Thanks a lot to all of you. It has been great listening to you and I wish I could have continued for hours. But uh, we will invite you guys again. And uh, also, again, sorry for the inconvenience, but uh, it's just part of our life. And saying that, I just I, I got one question from the audience about how important actually is the fact of having an event physically to the success of such a conference. 
Now, thinking of it, I mean, obviously, both are very important. Being there physically, if we have technical problems, I just shout louder, and you guys just shout louder, so we don't have a mic, doesn't really matter. So, yeah, obviously, this is much uh, easier, and especially we have the chance to network physically, to reach out to each other in person, and this is definitely a huge benefit. On the other hand, I must say, I mean, look at where these people are sitting, and it's a present that we have the chance and the benefit to listen to all these great minds sitting around the globe. And this is definitely a huge benefit. So I think we have to have a mixture about both. And whenever we will be able to have physical ones, we obviously will do everyone in his location, but we definitely gonna remain with those cognitive virtual because I just love it. So thanks a lot to all of thanks. you. Thanks, thanks Doc, Dad. Alison, Karen, John, Amitabh, stay healthy. And I hope to have you with us in a few weeks, especially you, Job, with your book. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. chase you on that one. <laughs> so, now, building up 